What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison Gilman. Good to be here with you guys today, sitting down today with my friend. Mike Moses, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Good to see everybody. Harrison, I have a question. I have a question. Hit me up. Tell me what is behind the switch to the funky new music intro to the Ask LFC podcast. You know, uh, it's like... (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you're this way every now and again when I'm in, when I'm at home in a, in a bedroom or a living room or something, just like once every now and again, you just blow it all up, move the furniture <laughs> to a different spot, start over. What if the you bed guys did that here? this summer, didn't you? In your house. Yeah, we did. Did a little Complete redo. Complete removing it's not of furniture. Bad. A little bit of here in the green room every now and again, you just, you just blow okay. it up and start over. Okay. So. Uh, it was it, it was just time Let's try something else on for a little season. Now you know different groove, but I'm I like it. it. I like I like the groove. Yeah, it's got groove. Yeah, nice. Well, um, today I want to give uh, our listeners the five main principles that are covered in the premarital counseling that we offer to couples. And I'm doing this for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's super interesting. I think. Number two. None of it will shock you, but the slant on each of them uh, may be super informative for relationships. And then number three, I find myself, Harrison, leaning into two of these principles that I learned back in my 20s with couples entering empty nesthood hmm. frequently. That's why I was on my mind this morning. I Zoomed with a, a couple, a guy who grew up at Lake Forest, and I'll be officiating uh, his wedding in Indianapolis the end of this week. Mm. Super cool family. And then I also was with a, a couple more late middle age recently. And we harped on the same important principle that seemed to be the most important to be life-giving for them. But before that. Before that, we wanted to give you guys a quick, quick update. Um, as you know, as we talked about here, uh, Lake Forest is a family of churches. Uh we have Lake Forest Huntersville right here. Uh, we have uh, Lake Forest Davidson, who's transitioning soon to become Story Hill Church. We have Lake Forest Westlake. We have Lake Forest El Buen Samaritano. And as of just, I mean, how long here? Just a, a couple months, right? In We're- February. Oh, yes. In a couple of months, Lake Forest Church U City will be launching. Mm-hmm. It's still a little bit undetermined. We'll, we'll give you the updates on that. The main thing... Uh, we exist as a family of churches for a lot of reasons. Collegiality, we uh, we share in sermon prep. We really keep honed, laser focus on uh, staying on vision, on mission as a family of churches rather than one church uh, doing typical mission drift. Uh, there's more likelihood we'll stay on mission in each of our own contexts. But the main thing we do together is plant new churches. Mm-hmm. Um that's our primary rationale. That's our only shared ministry, actually, hmm. at this point. Each church tailors their own shepherding, discipleship, outreach, mission ministries to fit their own zip code. But, yeah, so I think it'd be helpful if we heard quick updates on the new city launch. There are uh, between 50 and 60 people who have committed to being part of the launch team. They've self-identified. Within that, Terrell Huntley, the the startup pastor, you guys know who he is, Um, there's a a group that he's calling Champions who sort of are um, counsel to Terrell as he makes decisions about Mm. going forward, about the ministry. Um, 
then it's overseen by our church multiplication team, which is led by me and one of our elders, Jack Cathy. A number of our elders are a part of it, and uh, we're the governing authority until they have local leadership. Um, but the the number one update is to pray, 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 Harrison. Pray that the, I don't know the name of it, but the University Area YMCA will be open and available for them on Sunday morning starting in October or November. Yeah, man, we're so excited. Um, it's been awesome over this last season getting to know uh, Terrell as, as he's been you know, really partnering with us here at Huntersville and, and just kind of jumping into the waters with us and figuring out, you know, what Lake Forest is all about as he's preparing to start Lake Forest U City. And uh, we are we are super thrilled to see what uh, God is doing in Terrell and what he's going to be putting together at U City. And uh, the coolest thing about this as, as uh, we've been here uh, as Lake Forest and Huntersville for quite a long time, but I, I can tell, uh, and I'm sure Mike, you'd agree with me that we're going to learn some really cool stuff, even from Terrell and his new little yes. baby church and what he's doing. So, well, and I, I, Harrison, I so appreciate the way. Uh, well, first of all, Harrison uh, Terrell has been a worship leader. He's an accomplished musician, so it's been fun to see how you have uh, just opened the door to collaborate with him. Uh, and some of his friends in worship, especially going back to last Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we go, f- and then Terrell has been having you c- and your team, you were on sabbatical, but your team collaborate and come to some of their launch events, their pre launch events. Uh, Aaron Mainers, uh, a number of our team members have been there and participate on the worship team. So we're looking forward to this being an even more collaborative back and forth worship team share between churches than we've had in the past. That'll be f- really for the benefit of Lake Forest Huntersville. So the, the, they have, they're having launch team meetings, uh, three of them in September, Sunday, September 12th, 19th, and 26th, uh, 1.30, p.m. at a church that we're friendly with, Stone, Stonebridge Community Church in the university area. They've been kind to open up their building. And then depending on what happens with the YMCA, they may have Tuesday evening worship nights there in that same church facility in October for, because there's people who are re- ready to gather with the church. They're like, I'm not, I'm not like a launch team person. That sounds like a really serious Christian dude huh. who would do that, but I'm excited to check out this new church. So they're going to have some uh, almost preview services, I think, Harrison, in October with the goal of late October or early November starting on Sunday mornings at the YMCA. We'll get an answer from the Y not till the end of this month. That's why it's a little bit up in the air and working on um, secondary options. So that's the update of Lake Forest U City, I Excellent. think. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. All right, well then, uh, Mike, why don't you transition us into the into the main course? Okay. We have used the same pre-marriage assessment. Anyone who agrees to ask a Lake Forest minister or pastor to officiate their wedding, we require them to go through premarital counseling for a number of reasons, but the number one being the American Psychological Association uh, discovered through years-long studies, the couples who engage in a series of, of premarital counseling, their marriages survive at twice, the, almost twice the rate. I, I, I don't recall the precise statistics, so I don't want to exaggerate, but it's somewhere between a quarter and a half, uh, 25, 50% greater uh, chance of survival and longevity 
that's a massive correlative factor, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we require it of couples. And what I tell couples is that, and, and I think this is also true for existing couples. Um, there's probably maybe one or zero listeners to the Ask LFC podcast who are engaged right now. Um, so I'm going to be relating this to uh, uh, a marriage you may be in or, or future marriage. And here's, here's how that statistic relates to marriages today. The, that statistic is valid of premarital counseling predicting marital success at such a higher rate, not because of content, because it's true even if you do one session of premarital counseling. And so it can't be just the content. Uh, and so what they, what they surmise is it's going to premarital counseling grooves a bit of a habit in you that as a couple— you are learning to view your marriage not as something static. Okay, we're married. It's a thing. Marriage is a thing. Let's just be in it. But that every now and then you step back and you work on it. You step out of it Hmm. and you work on it. That's true in leadership if you're the leader of a business. Uh, if, If you're parenting children, Harrison, how often do you and Emily be like, okay, we're parenting, 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 parenting. Let's step back and work on it on it. What's the character issue for Zach this year, starting school? And what would be our discipline for him when he gets off course in that? What's the reward? What's mm-hmm. exa- Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, you have you to You guys do- step step back and work on it once in a while? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we have I mean, we'd go crazy if we didn't <laughs> because we have four kids and um it, it, they're constant like course corrections it feels like that we're making where you have to step back and say, "All right, what as we enter into this next season of seasons, we're starting school right now. We've been doing that with all of them looking ahead. What is this fall going to mean for each one of our kids? Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. So back to marriage. Um, that's a true thing for a long time married couples or 10 years married couples or the seven year itch, which is actually a thing statistically, by the mm-hmm. way, uh, where, where if you hit seven years and you haven't really grooved a habit of every now and then having what Angie and I called a state of our union date. Uh, and sometimes we would check that by reading a chapter in a marriage book and then discuss it at the state of our union date, which uh, when we were poor was at McDonald's. Uh, and <laughs> um, uh, we'd spend $3 uh, and get out of our normal butt prints on our couch at home into a place where we talk about our relationship. Hmm. So that's, that's, that's why that's important. And I explain that to couples. Here's the main reason why you're doing premarital counseling. We use an instrument for premarital counseling, so I recommend that, couples. Mm. We use a uh, the number one premarital instrument uh, in in the world, but in North America, and it's called Prepare and Enrich, and it involves a an assessment that the couple takes that assesses their own relationship. It's a snap. It's not a test with results, good or bad. It's a snapshot of how the couple each views the relationship at this moment in time. Um, four million people have taken the Prepare and Rich instrument over the last number of decades. Um, it was developed over uh, decades and decades of longitudinal studies of, of relationships pre-marriage, uh, two years into marriage, and then many years later. So this is data that continues to evolve. It continues to be done. And here's what they did. Here's why we use it. It's research-based. They were able to identify 
the, the five or six areas that if a couple navigates well and builds healthy practices in their first two years of their marriage, um, they, it predicts, again, marital success and longevity hmm. at, at a very high rate. Um, and there are five or six areas. N- n- and so the relationship is assessed in those areas. And then you meet with a counselor in, uh, uh, or a facilitator uh, in four to six sessions, and you walk through these areas. And you develop, you get coached in, in how to, uh, what's a healthy way to engage that part. At Lake Forest, you, you can make two choices. You can go to a professional counselor that we partner with who is a Christian and pay them four or $500. We have a package agreement. Uh, and couples are like, what? Four or $500? The average marriage, I know this because Angie and I funded a wedding not too long ago. The average uh, uh, amount spent on weddings these days in North America is twenty-three dollars to $25,000. So this is the best $500 you can possibly spend because it's on the marriage, not the wedding day. Mm. Um, Or for free, we have trained several marriage mentor couples here at Lake Forest. And you can engage with one of those marriage mentors um, and they're trained to facilitate through the material and they're great at it. Plus, now you get an older couple who are your marriage mentor who will follow up with you. You can lean into them a year after the ceremony, etc. Most of our couples at Lake Forest are choosing that today, especially because they can do it by Zoom. We have a professional golfer. I'm officiating his wedding in Jacksonville, Florida. He's a, uh, they're family friends of ours. Um, he's a pro golfer. He's all over the place. His fiance is a counselor back where they, uh, where they live, and they Zoom in. Him from wherever he's playing golf, he's trying to get earn his card. He's on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, and they zoom in from where he is, where his fiance is, and then our mentor couple here wow. in, uh, in Lake Norman. It's a new world, Harrison. That's crazy. And it's just super cool yeah. that it works that way. Um, so let me, let me get out a few of these principles. I don't know that I'll hit all of them uh, uh, or that you would want me to. But... Um, uh, what, what this does, it's a couple assessment. Um, it explores strength and growth areas, how to strengthen communication skills, how to d- identify and manage major stressors in the relationship, how to resolve conflict. Um, you explore family of origin issues, which is a new subject for many people, especially if you're super young. Hmm. Um, you discuss financial planning and budgeting, the B, 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 B word, budgeting. You establish personal, family, and couple goals, and you learn how to do that. Uh, and you learn how to appreciate personality differences and understand that. Um, so it's, uh, did you and Emily go through premarital counseling? We did, yep, down in South Charlotte, which is where we lived. Uh, when we got married for a while, we uh, threw a, I was on staff at a church. We actually did our premar- premarital counseling at a different church up the road just to, get a change of scenery with a, a guy that Good idea. it was, it was absolutely fantastic for us. I was going to ask actually out of curiosity as you're, as you're talking to either um, married couples or engaged about to be married couples, how often do you as, as pastor mentor guide steering people experience pushback from people who are like, Oh, that may be good for everyone else, but we don't really need that. We're all good. Is that fairly common? 50% of couples. Huh. Uh, someone is resistant. Yeah, and they uh, so 
probably 25% of couples, if we only recommended it, would not do it. Maybe as high as 50%. Because hmm. what, hap- what happens is you get busy planning a wedding. There's a lot of stuff. Yep. And these days, uh, if they're, well, at every age, but particularly younger couples, where traditionally the family uh, of the bride has taken a ton of the burden of the planning and the funding, increasingly younger and younger couples drive the whole process. Um, part of it's a control orientation that you like, they, they see this vision of what it has to look like and they're not going to entrust that to mm. their parents' sensibilities. Um, increasingly they also add funding to, to it themselves. Um, so they're just overwhelmed with all the stuff yeah. It is one of the main reasons couples would not do it, but we, we hold them accountable for that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, question mark after the, the you had a pastoral senior pastor flame out at that former church you were on staff at did the church survive his exit yes yes okay. mm-hmm. good glad to hear that yes still um, hanging around gl- glad to hear that mm-hmm. so so let me talk about the number one point from premarital counseling that i bring up with existing couples of all ages and stages of life um, i've meant you've heard me mention it in a couple of sermons in the last year or two because to me it's remarkable uh, how this comes into play at every age of life. Um, and it's so, I was, uh, I was in seminary when I was trained in how to use this material. Harrison, I was 27, something like that. M- married for three or four years. And they said, okay, here's these six things we found. But one of them, I keep using statistics because this is research-based. That's why I trust it so much. Mm. But one of the six is twice as predict, has twice the predictive power of marital harmony and success as the other five. And, you know, they made us guess which one. And I was in seminary, young, loved Jesus, and I guessed prayer and your your devotional life together. That was not it, and I was highly offended <laughs> because of what it is, because it's so behavioral. Th- this factor is so doable. It doesn't require skill. It doesn't require wisdom. It doesn't require coming from a great family. Oh, I know how to be a husband because my dad was amazing. It doesn't require any of that. It is so doable and low-hanging fruit. Hmm. And it's this. Do, does the couple do things together frequently that give them both life? Hmm. Uh, and does the couple do things together frequently that give them both life? Um, for engaged couples, usually that's like a no-brainer. Um, for couples who've had a baby, I, I just was out under the pergola with a couple uh, a month or so ago, and they're 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 in the little baby stage of life, and that just that statement hit them like a thunderbolt. Harrison, I was actually I was surprised that they were so surprised that I would say, how how often are you doing something together, just yourselves, that gives you both life. And they realized they hadn't literally in a couple of years. Wow. It's also come up very frequently with now my peers uh, becoming empty nesters. As uh, one couple in particular, th- this is no surprise, right? Some couples hit empty nest and like, woohoo, this is great. Other couples hit empty nest and you're like, I can't believe the kids aren't here. Who are you? Yeah. Um, it's not that they don't like each other and haven't been relating to each other all these years, but it's so easy for it to be primarily through the lens of the kids and their activities. And that's 
cla- that's a classic syndrome that we all know as a type because it really is a type. <laughs> um, and you can so here's what's cool about this this factor. This it's like a relationship hack. God made us. This is where um, this is a, a, a place where relational existentialism is true. The philosophy of existentialism is that we create meaning by what we do. Uh, the relational side of existentialism is actually true. You create a fabric of meaning in a relationship. This is true with your teenage child, son or daughter. Um, if if they shut down on you, if you're not talking very well. You just find some stuff to do that they think is so cool, they're going to say yes. Hmm. Here, so you just, oh, man, what if we went rafting at the Whitewater Center or rock climbing there? Whatever it is they would think is the coolest thing in the universe. Dude, spend money on that. And by spending the time together, they're going to say yes. The fabric of the relationship, the way God made us, existentially strengthened. And so in marriage, it's like a hack. You don't, you don't have to solve all your issues of all the wounds and stuff from 10 years ago to grow the relationship. This can, in fact, one counselor that I trust a lot says that by engaging this relationship principle, doing things together that bring you both life, what, you know, think back in the early years, was it concerts that you went to? Was it hiking? Was it whatever? Uh, and Angie have built hiking into our lives the last two, year and a half to, to do this. Um, whatever it is, you don't have to, while you're doing that for us hiking, talk about, it can, this counselor says, it can overwhelm, uh, a a certain amount, an actual large amount of past relationship, hurt, wounding, baggage, scars. It it doesn't mean that you're never going to have to go back and deal with those things, but a couple whose marriage is troubled, a couple whose marriage is um, totally blah for a long time, and you've almost given up hope of it being better. Th- th- this, my favorite counselor, one of my favorite counselors that I refer to, says this is a hack out of that place of the doldrums, and that if you engage it repetitively <laughs> in a planned manner, um, you can simp. This is a simple marriage rebuild. So, um, <clears throat> I now emphasize that point, that principle to engaged couples, even more with the insight now of couples who are older. That reminds me a lot of kind of a, um, a a marriage hack that I had heard as as we were getting ready to get married. Heard from an older couple who was like, you know, one thing that happens happens sometimes that you hear is, oh well. What do you do? Uh, how do you keep the that lovey-dovey, in-love feeling together longer, you know, uh, in marriages? And, and this person said, you know, the, the thing that I've seen, experienced, my life hack is uh, you, you do things that people who are in love do. It's an it's an action thing. It's, yes. do, it's do the things. Spend the time. Whatever the things That's are. well said. Yeah, That's- you do things that people who are in love do. And then... Lo- you look around and you're like, we're doing the right stuff and that is there and it's, it's going strong. Especially because if you are married and it's not the worst marriage in the world, you, that love is there. Mm -hmm. And so rekindling, blowing on a fire, 
that is about to go out is a lot easier than starting a new fire. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it takes yeah. less work, yeah. but you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Let me speak more briefly on some of the other major aspects in this uh, prepare and enrich premarital survey or assessment. Um, so I'll, I'll speak more briefly. So, of course, it talks about communication. Duh. Uh, and I'll look at couples and be like, as we all know, you could fill an entire library full of books on marital communication. The Preparing and Rich isolates the one factor of marital communication that is most predictive that if you get it, if you groove this well in your first two years, mm-hmm. is going to predict marital success later. And it's this little tiny micro thing. It's not that tiny, actually. It's the ability to assertively ask for what you want and need, more or less of, from or with your partner. Mm-hmm. The ability to assertively ask, not demand, for more of what you want or need from your partner. It doesn't mean they have to. This doesn't involve them uh, having to say yes. But those husbands and wives who are able to assertively ask for what they want and need in the relationship uh, uh, report much higher levels of happiness in the marriage, even if they don't get it, Harrison. Mm-hmm. Because there's a sense for a wife of taking personal power that she ha- she's not just putting up with. She's not just passively, well, I know he wouldn't, or he'll just, you know, whatever. She has taken personal power to state this. She's spoken it out there, and now it's out there between them. So no, it's like asking for a raise at work. When you ask for a raise, you tend to get one more than people who don't ask for. That's a well-known fact. And when you ask for what you want and need in your relationship, you're therefore going to get more of it or less of the thing you don't want. And you feel more personally powerful. And you've gifted your spouse with knowing, oh, you really, that's what you want more or less of. So I make them in my office. They have to go away and write down, I just give them a minute, three things. that they And they can be lighthearted, like uh, don't leave the toenail clipping. Be sure you get every last little toenail clip, you know, because that, that just grosses. I want to throw up. There's something in me from my childhood, you yeah. know, whatever. Or it can be really big, um, uh, and um, and then I make them. There's a little script for how you ask this, and then how you respond. You listen to their need for. You don't respond defensively or about your own thing. Oh yeah, well what I want and need. You, you listen to understand what, what they... Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very well. So I'm not going to go further in that one. But assertively asking for what you want and need is, is the most critical newlywed. And, of course, that parlays to marriages and relationships and working relationships. Mm. Um, of course, it details out conflict resolution for a, an engaged couple. Duh. Again, how many books are there about that? They hone in, <coughs> pardon me, on, uh, they offer a 10-step conflict resolution process that then each couple individualizes to fit what were the healthy and unhealthy conflict styles in the home you grew up in. I always, here's what I always ask the couple. When you were 13 years old, because this is when you're becoming your adult mind and, and, and your emotional adult self, how was conflict handled in your home? And how did you react to it emotionally in your home when you were 13 years old? And have them compare and contrast that. And that often hmm. is baseline. Either they're reacting against that or they unreflectively reproduce that. 
And so that's baseline for then individualizing the 10-step plan. Most important here, Harrison, and the insight of the preparing riches, a married couple should have a plan that they both agree on. This is the way we will honor each other. And uh, because when a couple fights, when uh, Harrison, when you do something that demonstrates trustworthiness to Emily, you, you hey, we're going to go out to eat tonight. Let's go to Chinese food because I know that's your favorite. And Emily's like, oh, Harrison hates Chinese food. He won't even eat anything but the fortune cookie. <laughs> but he said, let's go there. He has my best interest at heart. That's a deposit in the trust account. Yeah. But when you have conflict, and there's any one aspect of unfair fighting. You name call, you catastrophize always, never. You bring up the past, something that, that they were wrong, and so therefore you're pulling their wrongness into the present conflict. Any unfair fighting subtracts 10 trust items. Mm. Again, that's quantified yeah. <laughs> in psycho, yeah. uh, social science. Subtracts 10. So you can, you can be down a deficit of 100 really fast. If you if you don't fight well, and so having a plan, agreeing to it, and then learning to be trustworthy with one another and adjust that plan when you enter conflict—that's the main point of conflict. And so, couples, whatever age you are, if you don't have an agreed upon way you handle conflict, you're just in danger of nuking your marriage when one or both partners leans into that unfair fighting. So I encourage you, you can make an appointment with Jeff or me or Cammy or, uh, or, or a counselor, I, but, or get a book about this and just sit down and do it. Um, that, that's a way of protecting your marriage. It's wisely, we protect our homes. We think ahead. Security systems are big right now. This is basically a security system for your marriage. Hmm. You don't really win a lot by how you do conflict resolution, but you protect uh, from robbing your marriage um, is a way to say that. Mm. Um, there's discussion about roles, uh, man, woman, male, female roles in there. I'm not going to hit that, but that's one of the areas. Uh, the uh, Sexuality, uh, that's one of those more or less of conversations that for married couples. Um I, uh, in a marriage book that Angie and I are working through together right now, we just read uh, this weekend that uh, a thirty-five, a married couple, 35-year-old with kids for at least four years, the husband desi- on average desires sex three times a week. The wife on average desires it once every two weeks. That's a factor of six hmm. difference in desire for sex. If you can't talk about what you want more or less of and why and negotiate that, you jam up a marriage. And that's, that's at that age. It changes again in midlife. It changes again in empty nesthood. And that's an important area in which to have the ability to ask for what you want more or less of and then to have conflict resolution when you conflict. Um, finances, of course. Um, spiritual beliefs. Uh, the last thing that I'll mention here, and we'll wrap it up, is uh, I, I found this really, this helped Angie and I, that couples should be able to have consistent conversations about what are our short-term, mid-range, and long-range goals for our relationship, for what are each of your career or hobby goals, uh, what are financial goals that you 
either are important to each of you individually and that, that you'll agree on together. And having those, that's actually as as important as, if not more important than a budget, because a budget just kind of is a way of reflecting those goals that you have. Mm. And so facilitating a young couple through that is really fun, Harrison. Like when they're 23, just out of college, getting their first paycheck, it's, also, it's absolutely enjoyable to watch them groove a habit of having a healthy relationship with money and between them as a couple. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, that's also talking about you spend more time thinking about this than I do but even in the little bit that I know um, correct me if I'm wrong but if you're talking about things that signal success the other side of the coin things that signal failure and uh, uh, an inability to communicate well about finances is a top one two thing on the list of things that eventually can can dissolve and destroy marriage from the inside right and if that's you one of our listeners um, it takes courage. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to have the courage to walk in to with your partner and say, I'd really like for us to work on this. That This is damaging our relationship. It's a constant stressor. Mm. Can we work? I'd like to invite you to work together on this, either together by listening to some podcasts and coming together for a scheduled conversation or read a book and then talk or a meeting with someone. Um, the, the, the final thing I'll mention is every session in premarital counseling and then in, in my wedding talk, um, I always reference the primary biblical, what I think is the most important and primary biblical principle of marriage. And that's Ephesians 5.21, where Paul is, it's his first statement about marriage in an extended section. And he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, that that's it that it doesn't mean doormat but he means submit to the other's best interests out of, and you can only do that you can only put the other person's desires ahead of your own if you do so so there's the the principle which is submit to the other's best interests and then there's the power he says out of reverence for Christ out of going to Christ I, I look at little co- young couples in front of God and everybody at their wedding and I go, you have a mercenary reason to grow in your personal relationship with God now. Hmm. I look at him in front of everybody. So submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you're worshiping Christ in the interior of your heart daily, because we wake up every day and our, our humans have a love cup inside. Uh, if you cup your two hands and it's empty again every morning, I'm looking, who's going to fill up my love cup? Hmm. And if you run to Christ, Paul says, submit. To, you can submit to the other's best interest out of reverence for Christ. If you start your, your day and all your posture as you're running to Jesus and your Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit, letting Him fill you. Jesus said, you can be like a cup that's overflowing with my water of life. And you let Him fill you up. Then you turn to your spouse out of overflow rather than emptiness. And you can let some of the overflow get on them mm. and pursue their interest ahead of your own net-net as your attitude in marriage. So, hey, thanks for letting us talk about this really interesting subject, at least to me, very relevant to most people's lives listening. We, we appreciate you guys tuning in to the Ask LFC podcast. Yes, we do. And as always, if you have a question, uh, you can always email us, asklfc at lakeforest.org. We love hearing from you guys. 
Uh, and we will catch you same time, same place. Have a great week. See you guys. Later.